Good to see you all this morning. Missed you all last week, but Joe McCroskey and Dr. Savelle, what awesome messages last week. Amen. So grateful for their gifts and so grateful for their years of experience and their faithfulness to the call of God, their faithfulness to uh, to, to follow through with what God has called them to do for, uh, for Dr. Savelle, you know, 50, 52 years and Joe working with brother, with, with, uh, Dr. Savelle for uh, over 40 years. And so I appreciate their experience and their wisdom. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm ready to get in the word. How about you? If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter two. As you're turning there, I want to remind you that this is a year of abundant overflow. Say abundant overflow. Say it's mine. Say I'm overflowing with the goodness of God because he's outpoured that goodness upon my life. It's also a year of first. Say it's a year of first. Say this. I'm stepping into things I've never stepped into before. And it's good. It's real good. I'm loving it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And it's also a year of restoration, recovery, and recompense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Can you say that? Restoration, recovery, and recompense. I'm too busy talking and not turning. So, Hallelujah. You're like, you, you sure do make a say, repeat a lot of things. Yeah, it needs to get in you. Needs to get in. You you need to believe it. You need to believe it. Hallelujah. Now we just read Isaiah fifty six and talked about. We talked. We was talking about God's plan. It's talking about what God was desiring and what God was going to be doing. And he was talking about bringing these people into this house of prayer. And he said, and, and there my altar will be. Right. He said. He talked in, in Isaiah fifty six. He said and said and, and on my altar. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I started this, this understanding of altar, and, and this all came about about six months ago, a little longer now, and, and, um, and I was in our back modular building, and, and I was going at the modular building, and I, I just looked over and I saw this, this, this altar that, that we used to have up, up front when we, before we had remodeled the, the church, and, and um, you know, I, I spent a lot of, lot of Sunday mornings at, at 5 a.m., uh, walking around this before 4 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever it was, and, and just praying and seeking the Lord on what to minister to, to just to get, to get revelation, to hear the voice of God, to, to impart to you. And so I spent a lot of time on these benches, you know, and it's not, it's not that there's something sacred about the benches, but, but it's, it's what you do when you go to it. You know, your altar could be your car. Your altar could be next to your bed. The altar is a place where you bring yourself as a sacrifice. And when we started this, I, I, you know, I didn't really all know where all the Lord wanted to, to take this and go with this. But starting out, I, I talked about how the altar is a place of mercy. It's a place of mercy. It's a place where we go and receive mercy. 
You know, we see in, the, in, we see in Genesis, the, the first time of altars being mentioned, we see in Noah, and they come off the ark, and he, he builds an altar unto the Lord, and he worships God, and God speaks and, and declares what he would no longer do. And he, and he declares that I will bless you, and he, and he talks about that I will, I will empower you. He talks about that you'll be fruitful, and you will replenish the earth, and, and, and you're, you're going to be my man in the earth. And all this came out of a time and a place at an altar. When we see in the New Testament, we see in, in Romans chapter 12, it says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. But that's not all that it says. It says, brethren, I beseech you by all of the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice. So you will not open yourself to all that God has for you if you don't surrender everything to him. It's hard for me to, his mercy is available to everyone. His mercy is, is outstretched to, to everyone, but it's, it's, it's our ability to surrender that mercy to receive everything that he has. The goodness of God is available to us, but you have to re- realize that you are an object of his affection. You're an object of his mercy. Everything that, everything that the father did was to, was, was because he was merciful to his creation. He was merciful and he is loving and his compassions are fail not and his mercies are new every morning. But it's up to us to receive that. It's up to us to embrace that. It's up to that us to, for us to lay hold of that. The mercies of God. He said the mercies of God. So understanding the bottom line, the foundation is knowing that the altar is a place of mercy. And the other thing we discovered, we saw in Hebrews chapter 13, it says we have an altar. And it said we come to him. Remember he was outside the gate and it said Jesus. And then he says and and we constantly, then we constantly give worship and praise to him. So understanding that the altar is a place of mercy and understanding that when we come to the front here or, or we come to a bench, we, we, we bring ourselves as a sacrifice, our altar is who? Jesus. And it's a place of mercy. Let's get into some new things about altars this morning. Because this is... A place where you experience the fulfillment of God's word, his promises for our lives. In John chapter 2, verse 13, it says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the, and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things from here, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Well, wait a minute. This is this is a this is this is a different kind of Jesus we're seeing here. You know, it, there's a, there's this this picture that some people have of Jesus that, oh Jesus, oh sweet Jesus. Whoa! But you have to understand, this was the Jews' Passover. This was actually his first Passover. 
This is, this is his first Passover. There's three different Passovers that, that we see that, that Jesus has encounters at, but this was the first one. He comes out after doing his first miracles and then he goes in and he cleanses the temple. Meaning there's some, meaning what is he saying? There's something that has to change. And he compares it. He goes, you've made this house a house of merchandise when it's supposed to be a house of God. And why? Because this is the Jews Passover and the Passover had everything to do with sacrifice. The Passover had everything to do with bringing an offering. It had everything to do with laying down a blood sacrifice. And here they were, they were trying to buy their sacrifices. They were trying to obtain things. They were using a place that was meant to be yielding to God and to them, they were, they were benefiting from it. See, we have houses of God and we can have houses of man. If you look at the original temple and you look at the original thing that, that was established in the wilderness, the, 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 the house of God primary had, had three primary things. It had an altar. It had sacrifices and it had seekers, had worshipers. What are houses of men have? Houses of men have stages. Houses of men have performers. Houses of men have counterfeit glory. And so, so we have to come to a place and, and, and am I going to be a house of God or am I going to be a house of man? Because if I'm a house of man, then I end up just being a pretender. And I try to live on a stage where my primary motive is to perform and not pursue. And, and this is where we have to get to a, a, be as individuals in the body of Christ and as a church where we are pursuers and not performers. Because this is what Jesus is dealing with. And he says, you've made it a house of merchandise and I meant it, it's meant to be a house of God. The altar, the altar. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Thank you, Father. Genesis 12. Hallelujah. I want you to know there's victory at the altar. There's grace at the altar. There's wisdom at the altar. The altar was a place where the human and the divine would intersect. It was a place where heaven and earth intersected. It was where offerings and sacrifices were made. It was where prayers were prayed. It was where praise was lifted and God's presence burned with a holy fire among his people. Let me say that again. It was where prayers were prayed and it was where praise was lifted and God's presence burned with a holy fire among his people. Encounters that God ordained altars brought great significance. And we can see it with Noah. I believe we can see it with God, with Adam and Eve, when they, after they messed up. We can see the altars being a big deal with Cain and Abel. We see, we see sacrifices being a great deal. And I'm so grateful for Jesus that we didn't have to bring sheep and bulls and oxen this morning. Aren't you? I'm so grateful we have an altar and his name is Jesus. 
But looking at the Old Testament is, is it gives us a picture. It, it teaches us something. It can show us oh, what altars really are because ultimately that's what Jesus was really dealing with in this house of God that he was going to in Passover. Now in Genesis 1... There's a lot of scripture I could read this morning, and I just want to be sensitive to the Lord, but I just want to establish this point. It says, And now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of your country, and from your kindred, and from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. So think about it. God is promising him, you are going to be blessed. You are going to have abundant overflow. You're going to walk in abundance. You're going to walk in my goodness. That's really what he's saying here. Now let's go to verse, let's go to verse seven. Thank you, father. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, will I give this land and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So he built an altar unto, unto the Lord that appeared to him. Why did the Lord appear to him? What? To speak a blessing over him. To talk about his future. To talk about what God's promises were. To talk about his destiny. And so what happened? What did he do? He built an altar. And then it says this. And he removed from there unto the mountain in east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he had built an altar unto the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. So he built this altar, and he built it to the west of Bethel. What does Bethel mean? The house of God. So here we see, that one of the first instances that we see the house of God, what are we seeing? We're seeing an altar. And what did he do when he got there? It said he, he, he sacrificed and he said he, he, there he called, he called on the name of the Lord. He called on the authority, the honor and the character of who the Lord is. Let's go to the next chapter, chapter 13. Holy Spirit teach us this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at verse, um, verse two. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, in gold. And he went on his journey from the south, even to Bethel. We see the house of God again. Unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So what happened? He went back to where the house of God was, and he worshipped. What is Ai? Ai means a place of ruin. You see, you have to, there, there's a time where, there was a time in my life I had to go, to go from where my ruin was to go to where my breakthrough was. And there was an altar in between. And that altars Jesus. See that Jesus took me from my ruin to my blessing place. 
So what he built a halter there and he called upon the name of the Lord. See, this became a lifestyle. If we go all the way back to, you know, uh, we go all the way. If you look at Abraham here, if you go all the way back to his great, 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 great grandfather, he his, was, was Shem, who was what? The son of Noah. And so what, what do we see? No, building an altar. This was something that was constantly handed down that the altar was a, was a place of sacrifice. It was a place ultimately to meet with God. But what he called on the name, excuse me, of the Lord. Let's go to Genesis 26. Genesis 26. Now, while you're turning there, now, let me take you to, in, in, your, in our thinking, let's, let's, let's think of uh, Genesis 22 for a moment. Genesis 22 is when Abraham takes up Isaac on the mountain, right? And so he takes him up as a sacrifice and he builds an altar on the top of this mountain. But the moment that he goes to, to crucify or to slay the sacrifice, to slay Isaac, what happens? God shows up. And, and what does God show up and said, said, don't do that, Abraham. He goes, I will provide. And what did Abraham, he said, and here, what, at this altar, at this place, I will call you Jehovah Jireh, meaning you're my provider. So here we see the altar was in connection to a name. It was that God was my provider. You need to know that when we go to an altar, when you make wherever you are an altar, that's where God is. And you can call upon his name. Is not just coming to a, 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 a religious piece of furniture, but no, you're coming to him who is amazing, him to him, him who is mighty. Now let's look at Genesis 26. And this is Isaac. We see with Abraham, we now we see what he did with Isaac. Now look what it, what does Isaac do? Verse 24 says, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with you. I am with you. I am is with you. Don't fear, I am is with you. And will bless you and will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Hallelujah. So here we see God blessing Isaac and declaring, but what does Isaac do immediately? Verse 25, and he built an altar there. And what he called upon the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent and there Isaac's servants digged a well. Wow. So here, once again, we see God promise, making promises, but what happened? He built an altar. He built an altar. Hallelujah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So let's go to, let's go to Genesis 33. Genesis 33. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For the sake of time, let's look at, look at verse 20. And this is Jacob. We saw Abraham, Isaac. Now look, look, look at Jacob. And he erected there an altar. And he called it El Elohi Israel. So he built an altar. Not only did he, he wasn't just calling on the name of the Lord, but he actually gave it a name. El Elohi Israel. 
El means God. El means God. Ohi means mighty. So what is he doing? Here Jacob is building an altar. And he calls it El Elohi Israel. So when he comes to this altar and he names this altar, he knows every time he goes to this altar, he's going. Why? Because he's trusting in the God who is mighty. Can you say it with me? I serve a mighty God. Now, even if you look at the word Israel, some, some definitions of the word Israel means, you know, to prevail with God or to contend with God. So here he's saying, hey, El Elohi Israel, meaning, meaning I'm building this altar and I'm building it. Why? Because I am yielding to, I'm bringing my life to, bringing my life under the one who is the mighty God. And so when we come to an altar and we make an altar and we make wherever we are an altar, what am I doing? I'm inviting mighty God onto the scene. I'm bringing mighty God into the room. I'm bringing mighty God into my car. I'm bringing mighty God into my house. I'm bringing, I'm calling upon his name. Hallelujah. And when my sister's living room years ago, 20 years ago, you know, before that time, that was just a living room. But, but that night, that night, that was, I was coming to the God who is salvation. I came to, I came to the one who is healing and, and I surrendered my life there and my body was healed and my, and, 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 and my spirit was saved. I was born again because I made that place an altar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's strong. He's mighty. You know, another word in the Hebrew for the El Elohi is actually the, also the word God, my hero. God, my hero. Wow. Hallelujah. He's my hero. How about you? Are you grateful for Jesus? Hallelujah. When I come to the altar, I'm coming to him. I'm coming to him. When they built an altar or came to an altar, it was about relying on the strength of someone greater than them. When you bring things before him, you're relying on the strength of someone greater. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you, Father. So I wanted you to see the Old Testament examples of what altars were. It wasn't just a religious place, but it was a place where they knew they could meet God there. It's where they could call upon his name. Why? Because they they relied upon God's presence in their life. That, that That was the most important thing. That was, it wasn't the, the label they wore. It wasn't the, the, it was about him. It was about God is the most important thing. God is the primary thing. And, and I'm requiring, I'm, I'm requiring God's presence in my life. I'm needing God's presence in my life. God is the one that's carrying me to abundant overflow. God is the one, the mighty God is the one that's bringing recovery, restoration, and recompense into my life. 
So when they, they built an altar, it wasn't just the, the religious aspect of, okay, well, I'm going to go kill a sheep and we're going to take it here and we're going to burn it and we're just going to watch the smoke go up and I did my duty. That, this was, no, this was, they were calling upon the name of the Lord. This, this was such a big deal. This was something that took preparation. This was something that took time. It's something that took sacrifice. It's something that took finances. It's something that they had to give themselves to. It wasn't just... Well, I'll show up to church and just see what happens. No. They were coming to him. They were coming to him. We, we are here today to lift up the name of Jesus. He is our altar. He is the name above every name. And it's in his name and faith in that name that made that man strong. So these altars were a place of revelation. It was a place where God would reveal himself to his people. And not only that, but that he would manifest what he had promised. Isn't it interesting that, 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 Mo, that Abraham built an altar? Isn't it, isn't it interesting that in the very next chapter, the very beginning, and Abraham was very rich? Isn't that interesting? Now, I'm not talking about you, you earning goodness or you earning prosperity, but I'm talking about as, you're, as, as you submit and surrender to him, you open up a free flow of the goodness of God to flow in your life. Hallelujah. Now, let's look, look at here in Hebrews chapter 11. This is a familiar verse to us here at Heritage. But without faith. It's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. I mean, you you look at the first, you know, first several people that deals with it deals with Abel. And it talks about an offering. You deal with Enoch. Enoch was great grandson, I believe, of of Noah, right? So he knew something about altars. He walked with God. Then it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes, comes to God. How did they come to God? They came to an altar. Their their aspect of coming to God was coming to an altar. That's where they met with God. You have to understand that that's what, that was where they would go back and, and, and they would go back to these places. That's why Abraham went back and he, he, he went back to where he first built the altar. Why? That was a, that was a place of worship. Why, why did, why did Isaac build an altar? Because he knew that's where his father met with God. Verse seven is Noah. Then, then you have, you have Abraham, you have, um, you know, and, and, and so forth. And, and so all these people had, had worship was a part of their life. Worship was a part of their pursuit. Worship is what caused them to fulfill the destiny that God had placed upon their lives. And we see worship as music. And God sees it as bringing your life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe that he is. So when, think about when, when Jacob went to that altar and he built that altar and he named it El Elohi, Israel, he was doing 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Well, what did Jacob believe? That he's El Elohi, Israel. And it's interesting that his name was changed to Israel. And so what was he saying? He was making it personal. He was saying, he's the mighty God of me. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. A rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The word rewarder there means recompense. This is a year of restoration, recovery, and recompense. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he will recompense those that diligently seek him. And that word diligently seek is worship. What was, what was their, their, their worship? They went to an offering and they not just brought themselves, but they brought a gift. Thank you, Father. So it's not just coming, praying up here or praying next to your bed and just for, for prayer's sake. No, I'm seeking him who is. I'm bringing my life before him who is. Must believe that he is. Always present tense. If something is, it is. If it, if it was past tense, it would be something that was. But it is. So this verse is always present tense. Must believe that he is. It's not about going what you did at the altar three weeks ago. But what are you doing at the altar this morning? What are you doing at the altar tomorrow? Because it is and believe that he is. So it's coming to the place. It's coming to an altar. If I were to have you come down to come to the altar for us to pray for you, you're not coming to Justin to heal you. You are coming to him who is. And it's whatever you need him to be on what you're coming to that altar for. I must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek it. Rewarder. Rewarder, one that brings recompense, one that brings restoration to those that diligently seek him. We do not come with an attitude. We don't come to the altar. They didn't come to the altar with the question, can God? They didn't go to the altar. Abraham didn't go to the altar with the question mark, can God? Jacob didn't build an altar with a question mark saying, can God? He built an altar knowing that God can. And I come to the altar. They, they called upon his name. Not asking him the question, well, could you be a healer? Could you be a provider? Could you? No, I'm building, I'm, I'm coming to this altar because of who he is. And it says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
Meaning this is a priority in a person of faith. This is, this is, this marks, this marks a person of faith that they're diligently seeking after God. Thank you, Father. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Hebrews. Hallelujah. Actually, let's go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verse 13. Now this is, Jesus didn't cleanse the temple just one time. And this, and this isn't Matthew's just take on what happened in John chapter 2. This is later on in Jesus' ministry. So he he comes in here and he says, and Jesus went into the temple of God. So can you say that a house of God and what marks a house of God, an altar? It's what a place of worship that you call upon his name. It's a place where you are coming because you believe that he is. So here it says, and Jesus went into the temple of God and he cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, I guess he, I guess he left his whip somewhere else this time or he, but here, this is Jesus. This is the second time that Jesus goes in and he's flipping over tables. Wow. I think sometimes we need to let Jesus come into our heart and just flip some tables over. You know, there's, there, there's some things that you just need to let him some flip over some tables to just get rid of some stuff, right? There's, you know, you need to let him reveal what, what are blocking your blessings. What's blocking the blessings of God from flowing in our life. And, and here God's heart is always to bless his people. But yet Jesus steps in and, and, he's, and, he's, and he's heartbroken. Why? Because on why the house was built isn't taking place. So Jesus went into the temple of God and he cast out all them that had bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Now, I've read this after worship. I read this verse in, in Isaiah 56. This was, this was Isaiah 56. I, I would place my altar there, place my name there and, and here, and it would be what a house of worship. So the promise, the prophecy of Isaiah isn't coming to pass. Why? Because they've made it a house of thieves. They've made it a place of robbing. It was a place where God could pour into people, but instead it became a place where people were taking from people. And people were being robbed. You made it a cave of thieves. It's been a place that was supposed to be a place of abundant overflow. It was a place, a place of wisdom. It was a place where God would manifest himself. But you made it a place where the enemy 
is stealing from them. So Jesus says, hey, this is, this is a place where God is supposed to be blessing people. This is a place where God is supposed to be manifesting himself. So he chased them all out. Now, what, does it hap- what happens in verse 14? So when he chases everyone out, what happens? And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When they came, when he got rid of the enemy, stealing from people, they came to him who was the altar and the altar blessed them. When he removed the hindrance and they came, the lame and the blind came to him, he healed them. When they came to the house of God for its intended purpose, the manifestation happened. So when we come to God, we come to the house of God, whether it's in this building, in your car, at home, and you come to the altar and you come to worship God, what happens is his, he, he now manifests himself. They called upon the name. They would, what they would bring revelation, but you need to also know the name isn't just about revelation, but it's about manifestation. So when he got rid of the hindrance, wow. When the, when the house became its original purpose, the, the supernatural things flowed. But you know what? Christy, you're a temple of God. Deborah, you're a temple of God. Vicki, you're a temple of God. Danny, you're a temple of God. And so when we remove the obstacles, we remove the things that are hindering us, then the goodness of God flows. The goodness of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, the presence of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The anointing. See, the anointing could flow when the enemy was removed. But hey, Jesus removed our enemy. The question is, is are we giving him access? Has he become my altar? Let's go to Hebrews 13 and I'll close with this. Hebrews 13. Thank you, Father. The altar is where Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. For Isaac, it was a place where he called upon the name of the Lord. For Jacob, it was a place where he called upon the mighty God of Israel. Thank you, Father. Hebrews 13, just verse 10 real quick, just the first part. It says, we have an altar. We have an altar. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Verse 13, the beginning part says, let us go forth therefore into him. So it talks about the altar. Then verse 13 says, okay, let us go therefore to him. Why? Because Jesus is our altar. And then 
Verse 15, again, by him. So by this altar, by him, therefore, let us offer. Offer. See, this is all about we have an altar. You offer things on altars. So this isn't talking about something else. This is talking about the altar. It's a place of mercy. He says, by him, therefore, let us offer. By this altar, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Woo! Giving thanks to his name. So you have to understand, there's no difference in what Abraham did to what you and I need to do today. There's no difference. Abraham built an altar. He called upon the name of the Lord. And now the writer of Hebrews is telling us, look, we have an altar and by him, we offer sacrifices. Was it once a week? Sunday morning between nine and 1030. Oh, okay. When it's going really bad, you need to go to this altar. No, constantly, continually. Let us offer, let us offer. So let us come to this altar constantly, continually. And what, and it's not just coming to the altar, but what is constantly. And it it tells us with the lips. See, this isn't something you do silently. This is with, with your lips, with your lips, these things, lips, lips. Now I didn't say you had to scream it. I'm not saying you need to yell it. I'm not saying that I'm just saying, I'm saying it's something that's got to come out of here. Why? Because we bring ourselves as living sacrifices, I, living sacrifice, holy and accepted on the Lord, which is our reasonable service. We have an altar. Let us come. Let us come and offer sacrifices. Amplified says, therefore him, therefore through him, therefore let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Now, now sometimes, you know, you get to thank you, you, and it talks about the fruit of our lips. And it's like, what do I say? It tells us what we say. It tells us what the fruit of our lips should be. Thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. If all you can say is Jesus, that's enough. If all you can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All you can say is, thank you that you're my provider. Thank you that you're my healer. Thank you that you're my restorer. See, it says, thankfully, constantly, continually, at all times, give thanks and praise to his name. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. Thank you. Are you grateful? Are you grateful for Jesus? Hallelujah. The word of God is filled with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises. Filled with some of the things we might get in the future is the altar being a place of covenant and what that means. But there's a covenant that God established, a covenant that God ratified. 
And everything in that covenant is made available. And sometimes we might be between amen and there it is. You know, there's some things in my life that, that I said, amen. And, and I'm in between there it is. Are, are you, are you at a place where you might be? Well, I'd said, amen, meaning I finished my prayer, but I haven't seen the fulfillment yet. How do we live in between amen? And there it is. Be like Abraham. And we go back to the house of God. And we go back to the altar. And we call on his name. Call once again is to honor. Honor. I call. I honor the name. What I mean, I honor I honor what he did for me in the past. I honor what he said he'd do in the future. I, I, I honor him and not as, and not, I, don't, I don't call in his name, but by, well, God, can you? No, God, you can. You can. We're from amen to there it is. We, we come to the altar. Maybe times where it's in the front of the church. It could be kneeled next to your bed, as I said. It could be in your car. You just take that moment and say, I come to the altar who is Jesus with the fruit of my lips. I will praise you and I will thank you and I will glorify your name. Thank you for your peace and your presence that's in this place. A lot of us are between amen and there it is. Just right where you are, lift your hands. And out of the fruit of your lips, give thanks and praise unto his name. What, what name of his is real to you this morning? There's moments in your life where, 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 where the praise of your lips could have to do the fact that he's a shepherd. I can't wait to get in and talk about what happens. What happens when you release the offering at the altar? fruit of lips going on. So (laughs) hallelujah. Let's glorify his name. Let's, let's glorify and give thanks to his name. Release your faith, release your faith. Hallelujah. Let's build an atmosphere of faith in this place right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word says, when we call upon him, he answers and shows us great and mighty things that we know not of. Hallelujah. And we call upon his name. 
We give thanks to his name. Hallelujah. He reveals and he manifests himself. Oh, we thank you that you are a living God. You are, you are a living God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we bring our lives before you. Hallelujah. We bring our lives. Hallelujah. Before Jesus. We bring our lives before Jesus. Hallelujah. The author and the finisher of our faith. We, we look unto Jesus as Hebrews chapter 12 says. Hallelujah. We look away from every sin and everything that would easily beset us. And we look unto Jesus. Hallelujah. We look unto Jesus who is our, who is our altar, who is mercy, who is the love of God personified, who is the goodness of God manifested, who is the healer manifested. Hallelujah. Who is the provider manifested? Hallelujah. I thank you for the works of Jesus flowing in our children, in our families, in our communities. Hallelujah. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that you are working and moving mightily in our lives. And we give you praise for it this morning. We give you glory for it this morning. Hallelujah. And we bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we glorify you. Oh, hallelujah. We glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. A revelation of the altar. Hallelujah. Revelation of the altar. the Lord to expand just as he has in the inside of me already about it. Because I just saw the altar as well. You just come down in front of there, but the Lord's just speaking constantly things to me about this. And, and these are things that the church are going to be stepping into that the world needs. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We'll give him a shout of praise, Pastor Phil.